Through Hosea the prophet, God recalls the exodus from Egypt. He compares God leading the Israelites to a parent nurturing a child, but warns that the people will be punished for worshiping other gods. A reading from the book of the prophet Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How do I treat you like Zeboam? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord, who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return to them... I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. The psalm for today is Psalm 107 in your church leaflets. Please stand as you are able and sing.
A reading from the letter of Paul to the Colossians. If you have been raised by Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me as a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And these things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise be to thee, O Christ. Can I have the kids come up? Everyone else can be seated. Come on up and have a seat. How many of you get an allowance during the week? Okay, a few of you get an allowance. What do you do with your allowance? What do you spend your money on? Or do you mostly save it? (laughs) No answers. When I was a kid, I got an allowance. And sometimes we would save it up and spend it when the ice cream truck came. Yeah, she can answer. What? You danced in the rain. That would be fun. And there was thunder? Scary. But mostly I saved it. I saved it for I don't know what. Um, I was going to make big purchases, I guess, at some point. And I remember at one point I had $8, and I thought that was a big deal. How much is your allowance? How much do you get? $5 a week? How about you? (laughs) Yeah, my parents were like that, too. Um, Depends on how much time. Do you have to do chores to get your allowance? Yeah, okay. Well, the guy in the story today is really lucky. God is really good to him. And so I'm going to be really good to you. I'm going to give you each a dollar. So come on up here and get a dollar. 
so that I don't have to get up. Joseph, come on up here. Hand that back to Joseph. Hand that back to Maggie. And that's for you. Now, you got this dollar, right? What are you going to do with it? Gonna, you're going to buy a new toy with it, and you're going to spend it on something, right? You're going to save it. Okay. Uh, lots of people are going to save it. Well, a new fish. Neat idea. And a turtle. I bet Mom would be happy about that, huh? Um, so, the, so God was really good to this guy, and he decided he was just going to save it and keep it all for himself. And um, God says, you know, your life could end. Um, so think about spending it. I mean, you know, your allowance you should save for sure. But also think about paying it forward. Think about spending it on someone else. What if the ice cream truck came in your neighborhood and you invited a friend to come out and get something, Right? A dollar probably wouldn't get you much, would it? It doesn't get much anymore. It used to get me a lot at the ice cream truck, but not anymore. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a second dollar. And I want you... And Joseph says, oh, I better come back up front. (laughs) So I want you to spend that one dollar on yourself and the second dollar on someone else, okay? Spend that second dollar on someone else. Okay, there, Maggie, there you go. So now, I want you to spend the rest of the day thinking what you're going to use that money for. Who are you going to buy something with that, all right? All right, you can all head back now. Mm-hmm. So, what if you won the lottery? What would you do with it? That's the question. What does it mean to be rich towards God? In our readings from Luke these last several weeks, we've ended up at the end of each reading with a question, with a question that Luke doesn't necessarily answer. And at the end of today's lesson, he asks the question, or sort of poses to us, what does it mean to be rich towards God? Does it mean to be rich compared to God? You've probably heard the expression, he has more money than God, right? Well, that can't possibly be what Luke means, um, because none of us... um, could be more, you know, have more money than God. So let's turn the question around. What does it mean to be rich towards someone else? Does it mean to be generous? If I'm rich towards you, am I generous? So maybe that's it. How can we be rich towards God? How can we be generous to God? God certainly has everything God needs. So the parable, it's a great parable. Um, The man's fields produced abundantly. He didn't produce abundantly. His fields did. This wasn't his doing. Sunshine fell on the fields. Rain fell on the fields. The soil was good, and it produced abundantly. And so he said to himself, what am I going to do? I don't have enough room. I know I'll build bigger barns, and I'll keep all of that stuff for myself. And I will say to myself, you have lots. Eat, drink, be merry. That's a lot of grain. Now, if you build a big barn and you keep that grain, he can't possibly eat all of that grain himself, right? By the time he gets through eating all of that grain, the mice will have gotten in, the mold will have gotten in, it will have sprouted and rotted, and things will not be so good. So he can't possibly keep it all for himself. Maybe he's planning to be like Joseph and keep it for lean years and then sell it off. Um, Hosea and Amos have been scolding Israel over the last few weeks for doing precisely that, selling the sweepings of the wheat to 
to, to buy the poor. Last week we had the Lord's Prayer. And I believe that the Lord's Prayer is about the 70 being sent out. And they are told to enter whatever town will have you. Stay there, eat what's put in front of you, heal the sick, and proclaim the kingdom. And then um, say this prayer while you are there. That's what it looks like to proclaim the kingdom. Can't be doing that if we're keeping all of our food in a barn. Colossians, I think, gives us a little hint of what it means to be rich towards God. I kind of joked with with poor Deborah about having to read that laundry list of, of, of things that we're supposed to put away, fornication, evil, all of that kind of stuff, and, I, and greed, which is idolatry. Put those away and put on the new person who is being renewed for the recognition of the image of the Creator. We are supposed to be doing that kingdom work to recognize the image of the Creator. As we're sitting around that stone soup meal, the 70 having gone out, and saying the prayer, this is the kingdom. What is the image of the Creator? The image of the Creator is exactly communion. None of us lives apart from community. If I invite you to dinner, I put you ever so slightly in my debt. I don't expect to be paid off, but then maybe you invite me to dinner. Or maybe you send me a birthday card. Somehow that network of relationship builds up. And I think that's the definition of poverty, is to have nothing that anyone wants from me. Not to have anybody that I can invite to dinner or who would invite me to dinner. Not to have anyone to whom I could send birthday cards. And so to be rich towards God is to have that large network of relationships that makes us valuable. And so to be rich towards God means to have God indebted to us in that way. Can we possibly ever put God in our debt? And I think the answer is both no and yes. I gave those kids each a dollar and told them to go spend, or two dollars, and told them to go spend one on a friend to build up that network of relationships. We can't offer anything to God that God needs, but every Sunday we put money in the basket, We put food in the basket, and we bring bread and wine forward to the altar, asking God to notice that. Does God need it from us? Well, no. But what would happen if we didn't do it? What would the people at Feed My People eat if we didn't put food in the basket? How would this church do the things that it does if we didn't put money in the basket? How would we have the meal of the kingdom if we didn't bring bread and wine to the altar? So that's what it means to be rich towards God, to use our wealth to build up the community by which God is known. So what is the proper use of wealth? To be rich towards God. Think about that. Think about the abundance that you've been given. How do you use it? Do you hoard it for yourself? Keep it in the barn where it's going to rot? Or use it in community? Take that extra dollar like those kids and invest it, spend it forward, be rich towards God, spend it in the community that builds up those relationships. Amen.